Ladies and gentlemen, sports fans alike, welcome to another edition of Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. One of the couple, two, three best podcasts around. So sit back, grab yourself a cold one and a pole of sausage, park your keister in the front room, and listen to Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. In Chicago, you know that all sports rock. The Bears, Hawks, Bulls, Cubs, and Sox. Pick your favorite, you can choose as long as the... Packers lose for everything you need to know. It's Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. This is your hosts, Alex and Sean. On this episode, we're going to be talking about a huge Bears road victory. The Bulls looking good. The White Sox in the postseason. And maybe a little Blackhawks. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, the Rockford Ice Hogs. If you're not familiar with the Rockford Ice Hogs, they're the AHL minor league affiliate of the Chicago Blackhawks. What does that mean for you? You could see the stars of tomorrow today at family-friendly, affordable prices. The season is right around the corner. So don't forget to head on over to icehogs.com. Get yourself a hat, shirt, jersey. Sign up for season tickets and more. Tell them Swirsky Sports sent you. Alex, how are you feeling today after this big win? Feeling great. Feeling really great. I did not expect a lot of good to come out of this game going on the road against a team that started off really hot. But boy, you want to talk about a statement win today. The Bears did just that. And I think today is the perfect day to start playing Return of the Mac again over your loudspeakers because you want to talk about a revenge game. I think Khalil Mack had the very definition of one today. He really did. And I mean, he was going balls to the wall. He was trying to get after the quarterback and he played hungry and I love to see it. And it wasn't just him either. I mean, without Akeem Hicks, uh, who was out with a groin injury, um, they're not putting him in injury reserve, which is good, but he was a last minute scratch. And um, you saw Quinn start off the game, getting a lot of pressure. You saw Mac get a lot of pressure. Um, Edwards getting some pressure. Uh, we'll talk about those penalties later, but yeah, um, Travis Gibson with some pressure. Like you saw them getting pressure, and the pressure got to the car. It got to him. And that's a pretty good offensive line they have there in Vegas. So that was no easy feat by any means. You could kind of tell after a while. I mean, they kept saying it over and over on the CBS broadcast that everything just kind of looked out of sync and. You know, you saw a few plays where Carr's throw just wasn't in the right spot or Carr did make the right throw and they just flat out dropped it. I mean, the last throw he made of the game, you know, we thought his guy was going to be there throwing on fourth and five and it went untouched, hit the grass. No one was really anywhere close to it. So the Bears were able to keep consistent pressure on the the entire game, uh, which, you know, again, very impressive. And not only that, but, you know, once again, you saw the run game get shut down by the Bears. You don't have one of your best in Akeem Hicks, like you said, but everyone else around stepped up. You saw some good stuff from Bilal Nichols as well. And, you know, I think the tone was set early when Vegas was able to drive down to the red zone and they were able to hold them to a field goal. Obviously, there were penalties thrown, but, you know, still, it looked like early on the offense was clicking for the Raiders. And then the Bears were able to make big stops and then get them out of sync. 
that's not easy to do, especially on the road against, you know, a team that's had success so far. And I think, uh, I think a big thing was, like you said, is the defensive line played really well. Um, Josh Jacobs killed the bears last time they played the Raiders. And I think they were hoping that he would be able to do something similar today. And the bears held them to under 50 yards rushing 3.2 yards per, per carry um, with a long of 11. So never really got going, never really got going. No, and honestly, I'll never forget just that awful bitter taste in our mouths back in 2019 when we lost that Raider game in London. I mean, that was that was nauseating. But you know, we were able to get just a, a nice a nice win, erase some of that sour taste out of our mouths. And what I also think is really key going forward is that that interior of the offensive line keeps doing well because as much as the outside of it has struggled and, you know, Justin Fields got his bell rung quite a bit today, boy, they really beat the Raiders in the trenches today. That was really the key to victory was beating them in the trenches. And you got to really give a shout out to Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams Next man up, Montgomery goes down five weeks, whatever, how long it is. These guys come. Khalil Herbert has 75 yards on the ground, and Damian Williams has 64 yards on the ground with a touchdown. You saw them turn negative plays into positive plays. You saw Khalil Herbert push his way for extra yards. Towards the end of the game, he was able to push his way to a first down. Really impressive stuff by the run game today. And you got to hand that both off to the line blocking and the running backs themselves. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing is the the offensive line is still somewhat of a makeshift line. They're still struggling with pass protection, and that's why you have the tight ends in a lot to block. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're running the ball, and that's becoming their identity. And and honestly, if that's gonna be their identity, I, I'll take it. It at least you have some identity. If you're able to do something good, I feel good enough about Justin Fields that um, if you can establish the run, given as he's getting more and more experience and he feels more and more comfortable behind center, that he's going to be able to do things on his own as long as you're able to run the ball for him. And when you saw them run the ball effectively today on their scoring drives, when they were moving the ball, moving the chains, a really nice thing about that was is that they were able to eat up a lot of clock. So not only were you able to run down the clock in several quarters, you were able to keep the defense off the field because when the second half came and the offense was going silent and it was three and out, three and out, the big fear of mine was, oh no, this defense that has played well so long is going to be playing out there for most of the second half. They're going to get tired but then you were able to kind of get back in rhythm towards the end of the game and seal the deal. There's some really, obviously you can't rely on full old school football like you used to with the run game. But if, like you said, if they have an identity and it's able to run the ball, there is a lot of positives to that. Obviously you want to see Justin Fields develop and you know, he, he still will in an offense as long as it's run properly. And he's hopefully given some protection, which, you know, that does worry me a little bit, but 
if you're able to effectively run the ball, I mean, that, that does a lot of good things for you. I mean, those two drives they scored in the first half, I mean, they ate up a lot of clock on those drives and you love seeing that nice, long clock eating drives. And I mean, that's how this team it's when they do function and hopefully they can keep functioning a little more and more by the week. If that's how they're going to function, then that's how they're going to function. You know, not eating up big chunks per se, but uh, you know, today you saw Damian Williams, he get the ball on first down. He'd able to get five, six, seven yards. So second down isn't second and 11 or second and 10. It's second and two or second and three. And that makes all the difference in the world. So, I mean, you could really give Damian Williams a lot of credit today for kind of being a a table setter. He was able to set up the offense in ideal positions instead of, you know, going second down and 10 or third down and 10, you were able to make those third down conversions a lot easier. Yeah. So as we're watching these games, you know, you said something that definitely hit a chord with in a positive way for me, it's eating up clock. And that's kind of the thing is last year, the offense had way too many three and outs. Um, They weren't, they weren't moving the ball and getting yards and they weren't eating up the clock, whether that be the running clock or just actual time that the defense had to rest, you know, because, uh, you know, if the clock's running and runs off three minutes, you're like, okay, that's nice. They ran off three minutes, but if it's only, you know, four minutes of, of actual, you know, real time, not NFL clock time, the defense doesn't get a chance to rest is you're seeing them run the ball effectively eats up the clock, gives the chance to, for the defense to, to get some rest. Um, you win the position battle. It's, it's, you know, it's a good thing. Uh, you start to look at the stats and it's funny because you're like the bears for the most part dominated that game. They had the better of the two offenses, not, not by a ton, you know, the offense needed, a, there were drives that just worked. And then there was a lot of drives that just didn't, but um, the, the defense for the, the Bears was far superior. But you look at the the this team stats, not a lot different. 252 to 259 in total yards, 19 first downs to 16, um, zero turnover to one turnover, two sacks to three, 60 plays a piece for each one. Um, you know, honestly, uh the the big one was the turnover because that that killed the drive for the Raiders and the there was the one drive where essentially penalties gave the bears a score right where you know there was there was just so many penalties and the Raiders the Raiders just killed themselves with penalties yeah they they did but you know you got to take advantage of that I mean that you know especially in this day and age with the way things are being called you know, you're going to be penalized. You can play what seems like a flawless game. You're going to get penalized at some point. And, you know, you got to make the best of what you're given and the opportunities you have. Um, You you know, the other thing too, is when you compare the two teams is, I mean, obviously, you know, which team had more passing yards, The, the Raiders use the pass more than the run. The bears shut down their run game. The Bears use the run game to move the ball, essentially. 
Um, so obviously, you know, there's a big difference there. Uh, also, you factor in the first two drives of the, fir- the first and second half for the Bears. So when this game started, I mean, it looked like we were in, uh-oh, are we in Cleveland again? You know, it, it wasn't looking good. Two, three and outs to start the game. And, you know, you had two minutes in the first one, a minute 27 in the second one. And you're thinking, oh, no, here we go again. And then they started moving it. And then when the third quarter started, it was two, three and outs again. And then they started to pick up steam again. So, you know, you look at four drives, the two that started each half, where you pretty much went nowhere, you know, that right there, when you didn't really gain anything, that's, you know, that that's four drives right there where you're not, where you're not doing much, but then you look at the rest of the drives of the game, you know, uh, yeah, even though you punted a third time in the third quarter, at least, you know, you didn't go three and out. And then you were able to drive down 53 yards, kick the field goal um, in the second half. So, you know, you want to see the offense do more. We all want to see the offense do more. You don't want to just ideally score 20 or less points every game. But at least what this uh, game has showed you that despite some of the struggles early on in the halves, in both halves, the first and second half, is that they were able to adjust and find ways to move the ball instead of just completely fold. I mean, like, I'm assuming that the uh, the Bears, like pretty much most teams, are, are uh, pre-scripting all of their first 15 or so plays in both halves. You know, um, it used to be teams did it in the first half. I they're more and more going to the second half as well. They're scripting their plays for the second half as well. And I think, I think Matt Nagy probably has a lot to do with those scripted plays. And they, they, you know, they just, they're not looking good. They're not getting in a groove. And that's kind of been the success of Bill Lazor. And again, when I talk about the success of Bill Lazor, I'm not talking about him like this is a well-oiled machine and they're rolling along like they're the Cardinals offense or something. Um, they're, I'm talking about him as you're getting rhythm. And that's that's been a big problem with the Bears the last couple of seasons is they can't get in a rhythm on offense. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and rhythm is almost as important as anything. Um, you also see under Nagy when the play calling, you'll see the uh, them come up to the uh, play clock and get delay of games or very close to the point where the defense is, is keying up going, hey, there's one second left. I'm just going to jump because it's either they're either snapping it or it's delay of game, you know, Uh you know, what's coming. And, um, you know, with, with laser, you're seeing a more credible offense on offensive play calling going on, getting into better rhythm. And it's, it's just competent. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it's competent. Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it. You know, he's not Andy Reid, He's not Bill Belichick, but he's not Matt Nagy. 
I mean, you know, that, that ain't saying much, but it's true. I just would love to see more consistency throughout a game because even in the past you get, you know, you've won two in a row. And in both of these games, we've seen moments where the offense can just get shut down again, where they're not doing anything and the play calling is predictable and they have the other team uh, just all over them. Uh, You just, you want to see a bit more consistency, at least being able to move the ball a little more because I mean, the, the, the real frustrating thing about this game, if we're going to point to some of the negatives, was in the middle of the game. You were up 14-3. to three, You got a big stop. It's really kind of annoying they had to take a timeout during a PAT. You know, that, that could have been used to get you three more. You know um, what is you – know. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, and, and sorry to interrupt, but I, mm-hmm. like that, that was frustrating, but that was a direct link – to a Fetty going out. Right. Right. That's, that's the thing is when you have, um, when you transition from, you know, offense to the special teams and you have, you know, right after an injury, it, um, you know, you get some of those snafus like that. It sucked that that happened. Um, you know, the, the, the coaching staff probably should have been in, in, in anticipation of that, knowing a Fetty was um, injured to, to get everybody ready for the PAT, but they probably just went, Oh, it's PAT. Not even thinking about that. You know, there's an issue, but it sucks to lose uh, a timeout over that, but um, it's better than what happened with the rest of the league. And, and you wind up getting a blocked kick or a missed kick because you're short one guy. Yeah, that is true. That is I think, true. I think there was 11 missed PATs today. Yeah, and, it was and ridiculous. And it was counting. ridiculous. I mean, that's 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 ridiculous. A uh, lot of missed kicks today, both PATs and field goals. Um, the second point I was just going to make really quickly was, you know, that was a little frustrating. The other frustrating thing, too, was that they couldn't do anything off the Houston Carson turnover. I mean, again, if you could have at least just gotten a field goal out of that, you know, it would have made things a little easier. Luckily, though, you know, it, it didn't get too dramatic. Yeah, it kind of became a game a little bit. But once again, Khalil Mack was able to shut down that two-point conversion pretty easily by sacking Derek Carr. Um, and, and then they were able to close it out there. I I think my favorite Justin Fields moments today was on that final drive that essentially ended the game. We saw them. They were in their own territory. It was third down, and you're thinking, oh, boy, we're going to have to punt it back. And then tight window finds Darnell Mooney for a first down where the Raiders basically had their defenders on the first down line, and they were still able, Mooney and Fields, that is, to find a window to move the chains. And then they were able to just close things out. Give a lot of credit to Justin Fields today for just absolute toughness. He could have easily been rattled by getting hit time after time again. But, I mean, he was able to help close this game out and make the throws he needed to when he did. I mean, yeah, he tried a few throws that went out of bounds or were a little high. But, you know, you're a rookie quarterback. I'm okay with you trying some of those throws. But, you know, when it mattered most, he was able to help close it out. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely some, some rookie mistakes with fields today and he did take a beating. Um, but that throw you're talking about was great. 
And I was pissed at that point because it was like second and what, 13 or something like that. Uh, and, I can't remember if it was second or third down, but yeah, it was, it was not like a, a second and five. It was, I, no, I think it was second and 13 and they ran and picked up one. Yeah. And, yeah. And being third yeah. and 12. And I'm like, really, you're, you've already got a suspect offensive line as far as pass protection goes and a rookie quarterback. And you're going to put him with a game on the line. You're going to put him in a position of having to throw on third and 12. Yeah. You know, on second down throw a screen pass, try to pick, pick up five, six, seven, eight, nine yards and make it a third and short third and manageable. Like uh, that's what I wanted to see. And they didn't. And that was on the, the, the coaching staff. Luckily, Justin Fields did pick that up and, you know, typical bears fashion would have been to throw it short and not pick it up, miss it by, you know, a yard or two yards, but threw it at the line. So even when he was tackled with no, maybe I think he picked up a yard extra, but um, I'm falling forward, but uh, he caught it on the line and, and just catching the ball made it a first down. And that was impressive. It was a nice route by Darnell Mooney to find a, a, you know, I think they had four defenders at the the line to gain Mm -hmm. and he found a soft spot. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean by that Khalil Herbert run. That I mean, obviously Herbert was doing very good in the game, but when it was second and more than ten, and you were running, I I was pissed too. That 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 was kind of infuriating. But you know what? Good for Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney for just making that drive to keep going. And you know, not only that, but he also hit Allen Robinson on a nice throw too at, uh, around midfield right after that happened. So. You know, Justin Fields helped set them up to get in a field goal range. And boy, we want to give a shout out to Cairo Santos. I mean, you want to Santos talk about L helper money. <laughs> I mean, dude, dude is money. Both those 46 yard field goals. The second it left his foot, you knew right down the middle. Easy. Yeah, that was nice. It's, you know, we're, we're used to a line of bad kickers over the last couple of years and um, you know, either making it barely or making it way dr- more dramatic than it needed to be. None of those were dramatic. None of those were, they didn't, uh, ice the kicker. It was just up oh, line up kick whoop right off the foot, literally right off the foot. You're like, that's dead center. It's got plenty of leg. And yeah. And you know, they were right around his, you know, his long as a bear, but he hit them no problem. I mean, granted, it's that stadium is very conducive for kicking, but um, you know, he, he made them with no problems. I mean, what he's made 33, 34 straight field goals. Now it's like the longest in the NFL, the longest streak. active um, streak. I'm not sure, but I, I can't, I can't remember him missing one. I mean, I don't think he's missed one since like week three of last year. Like I, I'm not even kidding. Like that's, because I think the last kick he missed was in that Falcons game. And now I believe that was week three last year. Um, I believe so. Uh, that's the last time he missed a kick. I mean, it's, it's nice that he can go up there because it's not like those were just, that wasn't just tacking on points. That was literally winning the game right there. Because when you kick the first field goal, you made it an eight point game. So that forced, the Raiders to have to go down, score a touchdown and a two point conversion. 
And then the second kick, I mean, that just, that ended the game right then and there. So those were much needed clutch kicks and everything worked in those final minutes for the bears. They were able to drive down. They were able to make it an eight point game and they got the stop on the Raiders right away in their own territory. They didn't let them get first downs, drive down the fields. They just stopped them right then and there. And then they were able to easily kick that next field goal and put it away. It was a game that got dramatic in early of the fourth quarter. And then the bears got the ball back. They needed to do something big and it got really undramatic. If that's even a word uh, towards the end there. I mean, the only reason it was dramatic is because the bears offense was playing so conservatively. Right. And you know, if, if they would have pressed at all, um, you know, that should not have been anywhere near a close game because the defense just played lights out. And the only touchdown that the the Raiders scored was, I mean, how many stupid penalties were there? There was um, the Mario the Mar- Edwards one. The oh, Mario Edwards dude, one. Come on. And, uh, you know, then you had the Roquan Smith one. That was the weakest call ever. Yeah, that was that was bad. That was so bad. Did you uh, hear him after the post game press conference? And he's they were asking about it, and he started talking about a different play. They're like, no, 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 the unnecessary roughness in on the uh, touchdown or on the in, in the end zone. And he goes, and he goes, that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, he's, they were like, you know, are you surprised that you, the, the level you play at um, that? you're not getting these calls. And he's like, you know, honestly, he's like, I don't expect any being given anything. And he's like, I don't want that shit. And I was like, Oh, he's going to get fined. (laughs) Oh boy. That's, that's worth it though. He's going to get fined by the league for criticizing officials. And he's going to get fined for saying shit. Hey, worth it. Worth it. (laughs) He could take it out of the, uh, the big contract he'll get. Yeah, exactly. I don't think he's going to be too strapped for cash right then and there. Even now, you know, it's, I mean, that really was just a blah, blah penalty, but the Mario Edwards one, I mean, when you slammed him on the ground, you knew the second that happened, it's like, yeah, that's getting flagged. Well, the funny part is, is it it was a late flag. It was very late. So I'm like, cause the way I reacted when he slammed him down, I'm like, oh no. And then I look, I'm like, oh, they're not going to flag it. And, And then all of a sudden the flag came down. Yeah, it well, it it's. I think I think when the running back got up and started charging over, I that's when the flag came out, and I was like, mm-hmm. I wonder if they were weren't going to call that, and then when they saw how heated things were continuing to be, because it was the tensions were high in this game. They were. There was a lot of chirping, and which kind of made me nervous because I'm like, oh god, don't get yourself flagged or something stupid. You know, you you don't want to see that. Um, you know, luckily they didn't do too much that costed them. Uh, but I mean, even since the start of the game, it was, it was a lot of chirping between the two. And, you know, I know the whole narrative was Khalil Mack, you know, facing Derek Carr and John Gruden again, but you know, Derek Carr and uh, Mack, you know, they were fun joining at each other while the rest of the teams, I mean, they were, they were really going at it. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, Richie incognito didn't even play and he is the biggest shit stirrer there is. And uh and he didn't play, so still getting chirp, uh, you know, chippy in there. And I like to see that the Bears didn't, for the most part, didn't rise to the bait. 
I was worried that they were going to throw a, a taunting flag at Khalil Mack for jawing with, um, me with too. Carr. Me they, too. There were times that, you know, I, I was like, he's going to reach over and slap him on the butt after a play or, or tap on, tap him on the helmet, you know, because they're friends and they're going to throw a flag. I'm like, I'm just waiting for that. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not sure what, um, it was one of the sacks, I think. I can't remember exactly which one it was, but there was, oh, was it the, I don't know. I don't think it was the fourth down. A- anyway, it was one of the plays. It was a big sack by Mac. It was a loss. And like, Mac was like clapping and yelling. I'm like, oh God, don't get flagged. Don't get flagged. Don't get flagged. Because that's, that's what the NFL is trained fl- fans to do now. Unfortunately, just every time you see a play, you have to look around and be like, all right, are there flags? Are there flags? You know, it's kind of unfortunate. It's kind of come to that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but I want to talk about the play of Justin Fields. And it's funny because as fans, we're sitting here watching the games and we we're seeing the good things. And but the stats don't always tell the story with him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, they sorted it today. I mean, you know, he had a quarterback rating in the 90s, which is good, but only had 111 yards. Uh passing i think it was 111 111 one touchdown no picks 12 for 20 but you know honestly he's running for his life a lot and but his throws his throws have been good he pushes the ball downfield and um you, you know you're liking this things that you're seeing there's still some rookie mistakes there's still coaching mistakes from the play calling perspective um you know, why, why are they not rolling him out? I think there was only like one rollout today. And well, I think especially that was since he was getting hit so much. Yeah. He's, and there was a, a designed run play at the end of the game. Oh, I did not like to, that. And number one, he's already gotten beat up today. Why are you having a design run? And if you're going to have a design run, why is there no uh, pass option from the run? Mm-hmm. is give him the opportunity if he's going to get clobbered to th- to throw it to somebody you know because he's been getting beat up all game well the other thing too that i thought about that design play too was you know justin fields one of the things he's still kind of working on is holding on to the ball we've seen him fumble it a few times and you're trying to ice the game right there do you really want to risk losing the ball when you're trying to ice the game right um, some other things, uh, with him, there was the play where he threw, uh, you know, he threw the ball out of bounds and, um, it wasn't a forward pass. So they lost seven yards on him yeah. throwing it out of bounds. Yeah. Uh, that was bad. That's a rookie mistake. But the thing is, is his rookie mistakes have not been killing them. They're not interceptions. He's fumbled a few times, but he's hustled to recover his fumbles. Um, I just wish that they would, they would figure out a way to let him use his athleticism, let him use his speed. You see it with, you know, in, uh, Arizona, you see it in Baltimore, they've got quarterbacks that can run and they let them have opportunities to get the run and the bears just don't do that. No, they don't. And, um, you know, the other thing about some of these mistakes too, is not only have they not cost them so far, 
But you say to yourself, they're pretty fixable, right? I mean, yeah, he threw a ball out of bounds. You lost seven yards. I mean, that's a that's a teachable thing right there. I don't think you're too worried about that being a problem in the future, you know? And um, obviously working on fumbling the ball. He didn't fumble today, but, you know, it's going to be something that he's probably trying to get better at week by week. Because, you know, when you get hit a lot, you got to hang on to the ball. Um, I don't know what your opinion on this play was, but the play where he was under pressure and he was running and he got tackled. And that's when he briefly went out and Andy Dalton came in where he hyperextended that knee. Yeah. I, I thought he should have just thrown that ball away. I don't know what your perspective was on that, but I, I just, I felt Uh, like he, he didn't have anything. I mean, I can see, you know, in his mind, I'm sure what happened was he, he doesn't want to be a running quarterback. He wants to be a quarterback that can run. Um, much like, uh, much like the kid in Buffalo, much like uh, Aaron Rodgers, um, where they can they can run, but they're throwing quarterbacks. And I think that's what he wants to be. And he held onto the ball a little long, and there was nothing there. And he has to be more decisive. Is he going to run, or is he going to throw the ball away? And he sit he sat in there too long, to the point where he, you know, if he wouldn't have hesitated there, he could have taken off and not gotten hit, not gotten his leg pulled out from under him. Um. And, but instead he, um, you know he he hesitated, didn't throw the ball away, and then tried to run late and got caught from behind because defenders in the NFL are fast. They're a lot faster than they are in college. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that's another rookie mistake. Um, You know, you have to be more decisive. You're either going to throw that ball away or you're going to run. You can't, you can't hesitate and you can't hang in the pocket that long. Um, Just, just tuck it and run. And, you know, we've talked about this before, how, Justin Fields has mentioned about the speed of the game coming from college to the NFL. And part of that is just adjusting to the speed of the game. Like you said, you know, these are all learning moments and you know, what's nice is that you can have some learning moments in a game where your team pretty much controlled most of the game. I mean, that's, there's a lot of good things that could come from that. I, you know, learning moments, a learning moment, but You know, I think when you play as good of a game as the Bears did, obviously it wasn't flawless, but, you know, you played a pretty good game and you were able to get a win, you know, what ended up being a pretty fairly easy win. Um, You know, you look at some of those little things, you're like, all right, well, you know, you just, you fix here, you fix there. And what you got to hope for is that the coaches keep playing to that. Like you said, I want to see him roll out more. I would really like to see him roll out a lot more. That's one thing that I really wish we saw a little more of today, but you know, you also look at their game plan and you say, well, they were beating them in the trenches. They were handing the ball off a lot, but you know, still, I think there's every reason to want him to roll out more on when he is going to throw. Uh, So we'll see what happens next week against green Bay, because you know, they have some key defenders out and 
I think next week is the week where you really want to mix in both passing and the run game. You don't want to just beat them. I mean, obviously beating them in the trenches is good. And, you know, if you can do that, that'll, that can help. But next week you really want to see a nice balance. I think of both passing and running against green Bay. Um, what I want to see is the, the bears offense, <clears throat> getting Justin Fields some safe, easy passes to get in a rhythm early. You know, some dump offs. Yeah. You've got nine tight ends on your roster that he likes working with. Get them in involved, some screen passes, some dump outs, some bubble screens, move the chains, get him some easy passes. And then once he feels comfortable, then you're going to allow him to, to see some good throws downfield. And the thing is, is I was expecting the bears to be able to, to burn the defensive backs of the Raiders because, you know, they're short on defenders, but they actually played well. Um, so kudos to the, the Raiders defensive backs. They played tight coverage. Um, but I, I just want to see the bears be able to, uh, you know, get Justin Fields in rhythm. He's a young quarterback. That's what you have to do. Patrick Mahomes is an MVP and they do that to him. They start off to play, you know, the games with, with safe, easy passes for him, gets him in rhythm. And then once you're in rhythm, you know, uh, pretty much every quarterback is a rhythm quarterback. You know, you kind of look at the lion's game last week and you look at that first drive of the game where they mixed in a lot of running and a lot of you know quick easier passes that's I think that's kind of it sounds like that's what you're kind of alluding to because you saw Justin Fields make the big passes you know the big long passes 60 yards after that after he kind of found a rhythm I think there is something to that I think finding a rhythm is pretty important especially for a rookie quarterback Uh, and you know what I would also love to see next week. I know stats don't always mean everything. I mean, clearly they don't always mean everything, but I would really love the bears to really try to move the ball downfield um, with some bigger chunk plays. Not, not saying that everything has to be a big bomb downfield, but you know, we we saw it today they were able to effectively move the ball during the game at times when they were doing, you know, short, quick plays, you know, setting up the first down runs to help set up a second and short or whatever. But, you know, you you can't play a whole game just trying to go, you know, five to 10 yards each time. I'd like to see them pick up bigger chunks of yards as we go along more consistently. Um, I think, I think that's going to be important. I think you're right. They, they're going to have to, um, you know, they're this scoring 20 points is not going to be effective long-term. Uh, they've got a big game coming up next week that I 20 points is not going to do it for you. Um, not against Aaron Rodgers, No, uh, it's just, it's just not going to work. Um, uh, I, they need, they need to be able to put points on the board and what they need to do is, is the most infuriating thing for me is if you get the lead, stop playing so safe, push the, push the pace of play, 
try to be aggressive is if this team can start getting a big lead, their defense is playing well. Imagine how much better they can play if, if they're up by 21 points, 24 points, they're going to be able to just clamp down on teams. Right. And cause you know, when you're playing it safe, so to speak, is that you're really just kind of opening up a window for the team to come back because you're not taking away big chunks of yards and you're seeing your offense stall at times. And that's just giving the other team more opportunities. At least if you're aggressive, you have a bigger chance of either widening the lead or eating some clock or, you know, at least putting a little more padding on it, playing it safe. I mean, it's, it's like prevent defense. It's really not doing what you want it to do. Prevent defense will allow the other team to get back huge chunks of yards. And all of a sudden they're knocking at the door at the red zone, or when you're playing conservative offensively and you're just not trying to turn the ball over, well, then you're not really seeing as much production come out because there's going to have to be a point where with Justin Fields, you're like, look, I know you're young, but we're going to trust you being more aggressive. And, you know, mistakes may happen. You have to you have to realize that mistakes may happen, but you can't win by trying not to lose every single time. I mean, the Bears defense was so good today and they were able to close it out when they needed to. But, you know, if you have a 10 point lead in late in the third quarter next week against Green Bay, playing to lose is going to be a death sentence. Yeah, the the Packers, while they're not the the Packers of last year, they're they're still really good and really dangerous. And um you know, they're they're already on the verge of of being able to have a stranglehold on this division. Um you know, you you've got to You've got blueprints on how to just slow them down. Um, today is an example. The the Saints, Saints did a great job. Is you've got a blueprint. You just got to be able to do it. But part of that is you got to put some points up. You've got to. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is never going to get flustered from being behind. But no, no. Um, but it they've got a they've got an injury plagued defense and they've got some new players and they're they're struggling on defense is you know put the pressure on them they'll screw up and if you if your defense plays halfway decent um and you can hold Aaron Rodgers to say 24 points that's that's a good shot to win with the the defense that the the Packers have you should be able to to do that, but you've got to press. You've got to push. You've got to not put yourself in third downs. You know, you your rookie quarterback is they're going to try to get him to make mistakes, and you you've got to you've got to protect him. Um, the kid can make big throws, but he's also a rookie, and they're gonna somebody's gonna catch him slipping, and you're gonna see some interceptions. Right, right. You know, right now is the Bears are a game behind the pack bears are three and two pack are four and one um but the pack have played some some close games so far uh they um they got roughed up game one they kicked the pack of the lion's ass game two 
Um, they barely beat the 49ers who aren't that good. Uh, they roughed up the Steelers who are, aren't very good, but they barely beat, they barely beat the Bengals today. And it's a team that we had dominated and Trading that was field goals. And that was, and that was with uh, Joe Burrow going to the hospital with a throat bruise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, until we could beat the Packers, you know, I'll always have my doubt about beating them, but you know, after a win this week, the way they did it and, you know, being at home next week against them, boy, wouldn't it be a statement if Justin Fields went out there and beat them? I mean, like you said, they're not invincible, but they just cannot beat Aaron Rodgers, man. And Aaron Rodgers is still putting up good numbers. You know, he's going to be putting up good numbers until he retires wherever he retires with. Uh, So it's, it's a big game. I mean, it's, it's early in the season, but it is a big game because it's, it's a swing. That could be a tie or a, a two game deficit. So, you know, you'd ideally like to tie with the division lead by the end of next week. You would actually be in the division lead because you would have the tiebreaker. Oh, that's, that's true. That is you'd, have true. The, you'd have the same record and you'd beat, you beat them head to head, but the kickers today for the Packers Bengals game were combined four of nine field goals. Yeah. That's, that's surprising. Uh, but I mean, it's funny because you look at this and the Packers should have dominated. Like if you look at the stats, Aaron Rodgers threw for 344 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Jones ran for over a hundred yards. Um, Devontae Adams had 206 yards receiving in a touchdown. Like, and they only scored 25 points. I mean, they should have been, they should have been rolling. They had 466 yards of total offense. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and only two penalties. Wow. So, um, yeah, I mean, for next week, I think the keys of the game are going to be getting Justin Fields comfortable and in a rhythm, establishing the run. Uh, you know, David Montgomery is going to be out for four to four, five, six weeks. Um, who knows when Tariq Cohen is coming back? If Tariq Cohen is coming back, I mean, we, yeah, we, we haven't heard like, have we heard anything? I haven't. He he was injured game three or week three last year. Right. And so it has been it has been over a year and uh and he is not even practicing yet. Yeah, and you don't really hear much, do you? No. And Brad Biggs was saying that he's seen him at practice and he looks like he has a limp. No. And I mean, he's not a Brad Biggs is not a doctor. Brad Biggs, you know, doesn't have any medical training. It's just his what he's seeing. But it is, uh, you know, it's not looking good. And we have not heard anything. So uh, odds are we probably don't see Tariq Cohen this year, Man. which means essentially two straight years of no, no Tariq Cohen. Um. I, I think we'll see David Montgomery sooner rather than later. They're saying four to five weeks. 
I'm guessing, I'm guessing, let's see the Bears schedule. Um, Cause don't they have a, do they have a bye week over those next few weeks? Let's see. I honestly don't remember um, when their bye week was. So this is one week. Packers is two weeks. Bucks is three weeks. 49ers is four weeks. Steelers five weeks, then they have a bye. Okay. Um, I, I think he's back before the bye. You think so? Yeah. I think we'll probably see him either the 49ers game or the Steelers game. Could you make an argument though, that if they're playing solid football over the next few weeks and Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams are still, you know, eating up chunks of yards and running the ball very effectively. Could you make the argument that you could say, well, you know what, just to be safe, not to rush him back, wait until after the bye, even if he is technically ready. Um, I think it depends on what your record looks like because yeah, David, Monk- right. I mean, Khalil Herbert, I think is going to be good. Um, I don't know if he's going to be elite, but I think he's going to be good. Damian Williams is, you know, there were times today that he didn't like he at the start of the game didn't look so good, but by the, you know, once, once he got a couple series in him, he looked much better. Um, but you know, he's a, he's a seven, eight year veteran. Um, David Montgomery is by far the best back you have. No question. And if, if you're falling by, you know, if you, if you lose to the Packers, that puts you three and three, you lose to the Buccaneers at three and four. And if you lose to the 49ers, that's you're at three and five. I think at that point you probably go, Oh, you know, we, we probably need to bring him back. I mean, if, if he's healthy enough, but um, if you beat the Packers and you beat the 49ers, then it's probably, it's probably fair to be like, Hey, if we're running the ball, okay and we're winning games, then it's probably the safest to bring him back after the bye. But I, I think, you know, it's going to depend on how those guys are running, how the offensive line looks and, um, and how many wins they've gotten in these le- next couple of games. Cause this is, yeah, their, it, it, this is right. a tough stretch. It is a tough stretch. And, you know, I wanted to reiterate that I meant like, if they were playing solid football, so not going 0 and 3 over their next three games. Honestly, if they went if they went 2 and 3 over their next three games, you know, that would be a pretty good scenario and it would be all the better if they were able to somehow find a way to beat Green Bay next week. I mean, if they beat Green Bay next week and they have that technical lead tied with the record tiebreaker in the division, I mean, that would that would really swing the way we look at things, I think. I, I think so. Um you know, because in this division, the lions, the lions are doo-doo and they're already, they're already. Well, they're, five. They're, yeah. They're not going anywhere. We know um, the Vikings aren't very good. I was kind of hoping that the lions, the, they almost beat them today. If the lions would have won that, then the Vikings would have been even further buried behind you. They would have, the Vikings would have been in last place in the division if they lost today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they both would have been one and four. Um, yep, with a tiebreaker for the Lions. Um, so, uh, um, you know, looking forward is 
is there's a lot of factors in this and, and obviously it all depends on too is what what the doctors say about david montgomery's knee uh, because if they're if they're saying oh hey he's not ready to go then no matter no matter how bad they're playing or how much they need him and he's not playing um i just i just saw by the fact of how he was moving on the sideline afterwards um that I'm going to guess he's, he's back sooner rather than later. Just, just an, a super, super uneducated guess. Well, that would be nice. That would be really nice. I mean, that injury, when it first happened, I was fearing the worst. And I think most people were. Oh, absolutely. You had to, you had to fear the worst. Um, it's, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you anytime, anytime a guy goes down with a knee, especially nowadays, you're like a torn, torn ACL out for a year and yeah, or more as we're seeing with Tariq Cohen. Right. Exactly. I mean, you saw it happen with Cohen. You don't want to see it happen to Montgomery. So, you know, if they're able to somehow stay afloat and play solid football and then get him back, that would make things feel better. Um, because I was really worried going into this game. I'm like, are we going to be able to, you know, have an effective run game without Dave Montgomery? But they did. They absolutely did. And also really quick uh, correction on something. Maybe I missed it, but according to the stats, Justin Fields did fumble. I just don't remember that. I don't remember that either. Are they, call, just, are they calling that backwards pass, the backwards pass a fumble? I don't, would that be a? It's possible. Maybe they called that a fumble because I don't remember him, any other fumble. Yeah, I don't either. Um, let's see. I'm trying to look at the, um, was that, I think that was the second drive of the game, I want to say. One yard, bars for eligible, pass complete, five yard penalty. Um, let's see. I don't see any fumble. Kickoff run for no gain, five-yard penalty. Eight-yard pass, five-yard. Yeah, because I just, I, I don't remember him fumbling at all unless I missed something, but um, yeah. Uh, also, you know, while we were talking about that, the, uh, ah, excuse me, that, uh, that pass... Yeah, I, I I don't see. I don't know. I don't know. Because obviously it didn't say fumbles lost. He didn't lose a fumble. They didn't turn over the ball today. Um, so it was just a fumble, nothing lost. Hmm. I just thought that was weird looking at the stats. I'm like, wait, he fumbled? What? I'm just looking at the Bears schedule and I'm like, oh, man. I was hoping we would have we would play the Seahawks when Russell Wilson was injured because that would make it a lot easier to beat them. <laughs> no, that's later in the season. Yeah, unless there's some major setbacks. That said, though, as good as Russell Wilson is, the Seahawks are definitely a beatable team. Oh, yeah. It's just, um, you know, he's the Bears have problems with mobile quarterbacks. And. 
he's he's very good. Um, I just wonder if he'll be the same after that injury. I don't know, but I mean, and we're going to be, man, we got some mobile quarterbacks we're going to be facing. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers two more times. Um, Trey Lance with the 49ers. Um, Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. That's going to be a tough game. I know it's at home, but that is going to be a tough game. Um, what's his name with the Cardinals? Kyler Murray. Tyler Murray. Um, Kyler. Kyler. So I, so I said Kyler Murray. I thought you said Tyler Murray. No, Kyler. I don't know. It's probably been my stuffy nose. Sounds like it. I chew. Um, and then we've got a couple statue quarterbacks with Tom Brady and uh, and Shippard in, in Minnesota. Yeah, Tom Brady, who only threw like 411 yards today. <laughs> well, I mean, that was it Dolphins today. Yeah, yeah, okay, tell me this. This is my opinion. I think the Dolphins are the most disappointing team in football so far. Absolutely. Is I thought they were going to be a decent team and they they have absolutely nothing on offense. And they lost to a to a you know, I think they were hoping he would take a big step forward and you're playing with Jacoby Brissett, a quarterback who didn't play bad today. Um, but you have no running game. You have none. No, no you don't. And, and also the other problem too is I thought their defense was going to be a lot better. So I drafted their defense in fantasy and it has done nothing for me. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah, Cause I'm I mean, looking... you, 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 you would agree, right? Going into the season, people thought the Miami defense was going to be pretty solid. I, th- I thought they would be decent. Um, and uh, it's funny last week in my fantasy league, I lost by two points and uh, CD lamb from the, uh, um, the boys, the Cowboys scored me nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I have Russell Wilson as my starting quarterback, Oof. but my backup is Baker Mayfield. So <clears throat> I've got Patrick Mahomes, Matt Stafford and Tyler Heineke. Fuck. That's really good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you, my, you my running bastard. back. My running back is Nick Chubb, <laughs> who had 161 in a touchdown today. Um, and my my my, uh, my top uh, wide receiver today was Mike Evans, who had 113 and two touchdowns. And right now, I'm down by 10, and the other team has. Uh, the running back Taylor from Indianapolis going tomorrow night and Buffalo's defense right now. And I've got Patrick Mahomes. Uh, um, uh, Zach Moss, the running back for the bills and Harrison Butker, the kicker for the. Uh, so I think I'm going to win. Yeah, I'm tied right now, but my game is over and my other my other opponent has 154 minutes left. So, yeah. So, here's my team. Russell Wilson, he's now out. Uh, Ronald Jones, Donald Swift, Devontae Adams, Odell Beckham. Austin Hooper is now my tight end because George Kittle is on IR. Um, 
Yeah, the Dolphins today got me negative two points. Oof. Cairo Oof. Santos got me eight, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I have to, um, I have to outscore. So the way the ESPN does is they give you they give your defense like twenty points to start, and then they start subtracting. Right, as, right. And so the combined. I'm just going to take the 12 they have away. So I have to essentially outscore um, Jonathan Taylor and the Buffalo defense with Harrison Butker, um, Emmanuel Sanders, Zach Moss, and Patrick Mahomes. Hey, I got Emmanuel Sanders. I have it like almost every year since I've been doing it since college, I've had Emmanuel Sanders on my, on my team. I mean, that's good. Oh, speaking of fantasy, I just just want to mention this here. Last night, I just drafted my fantasy basketball team, and I'm doing fantasy basketball for the first time in like four or five years, so I'm excited about that. You know, I've never played fantasy baseball or basketball or hockey. I'm like, fantasy football is a big enough commitment for me. Um, I'm like, I can't. I, I do it once a week and I'm like, oh, uh, there's a bye week. Ugh. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I've done all four major sports and hockey and baseball. Like I've had multiple times where I've drafted and I've just paid like no attention at all to my team. Whereas the way this basketball one is set up, my friend, he's been commissioner for a long time of his league and he's really, really good about making the rules. He set it up where, um, it's not going through the whole season because he said, you know what? There's going to be the time of the year where people are just going to get screwed over because players are voluntarily sitting, you know, like the mandatory rest or whatever. So that's fantasy owners. He was telling me how much money people have on the line and fantasy owners were just really getting pissed about that. So we've adjusted that a little bit and we've adjusted like, how often we change our lineups, like how many uh, fantasy games there's going to be. So it's a lot more manageable than just like, oh, you create your lineup, um, you know, this many times from the start of the season to the end of the season. We're, we're factoring in some of the some of the other things that go around in basketball. Like, I mean, last year, people had so much money on fantasy sports. You, they were getting pissed when they had LeBron James on their team and he was sitting so many games, you know. Yeah, that's tough because, you know, when I was a kid, stars just didn't rest. They played every game unless they were injured. Right now you're seeing guys, um, you know, with rest days and uh, things like that. And it's just a different game and it's makes it hard to gamble. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. And the other thing, too, is that when you watch some of these games, when the scores are a certain you know, whether you're getting blown out or whether you are the ones blowing out, uh, you know, you'll see some players get pulled and other players go in and you, you might be counting on a triple double or something to get you a lot of points. And there's a lot of little things that go into basketball that can affect the outcome. And, you know, we play, we played for fun, but there are some very serious fantasy players out there who put a lot of money on this stuff. And that's, that's gotta be stressful. Just work workload management is so different now than it was even just 10 years ago. Right. 
Um, so, uh, you know, going back to the Bears game next week, kind of uh, prepping that. Um, the Packers, I, I'm, you know, the the issue with them is you have to you have to stop the long plays, and today against the Bengals, where they bear they had to go to overtime to win this game. Devonte Adams had a 59 yard reception. Mm-hmm. Dylan had a 24 yard reception. Lewis had a 20, 20 yard reception. Cobb had a 15 yard reception. Like, you know, you had four receivers with 15 yards or more plays. And, you know, you, that's number one is if you're the bears, any chance you have, you've got to stop those big plays and you can't have, you can't have defensive gaffes like you did against the the Rams, um, where guys are in the wrong spots. You've you've got to be disciplined to take away those deep passes. If they're gonna beat you underneath, then beat you under underneath. The you know it's they're tough. They're a tough offense to stop because Jones is a good running back. Had another game with over a hundred yards. You've got to hold him to under hundred yards. You can't, you can't let him run for, he today was seven, almost seven and a half yards a carry on average. You've got to take that down to four or less and under hundred yards. Um, and you've got to, you've got to put some pressure on Rogers and you can't give up those big plays. Got to play dis- disciplined defense, no dumb penalties. If they, if you've got them stopped, no posts, uh, post uh, whistle penalties and on offense, you've got to keep the chains moving. You've got to, you've got to be able to run the ball successfully. You've got to get Justin Fields in rhythm and you've got to keep the chains moving and the clock moving because the longer the Packers offense sits on the sideline, they get out of rhythm and the bears defense rests. And that's what you want to do. Get them out of rhythm give the bears defense some rest and you gotta, you gotta score points because the Packers aren't going to settle for field goals. They're going for touchdowns and you can't match field goals with touchdowns. How many times last year did we see in both those games, in both those blowout losses to green Bay, how many times did we see them pull off the big play way too damn many, way too many, way too many. Yeah, I mean, you got to do a better job in not only controlling possession, but making the most of it. I mean, you're not going to completely shut down Aaron Rodgers. That's almost impossible to do. But, you know, the one nice thing is that you feel like if the pass rush is there consistently, it's a tad easier now to keep pressure on Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's not, he's still really good at, you know, moving in the pocket and having great pocket awareness, but you know, he's not quite as nimble as he was five plus years ago. So you got to want to keep that pressure on consistently. And boy, would it be really big if they get Akeem Hicks back next week? I, I, I mean, I'm hoping he's back. Not only for to, to, you know, to get to Aaron Rodgers, but to stop the run, to stop Aaron Jones. Yeah. To have, to have both, uh, um, Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks be there. I think that's huge. Um, you know, you, you essentially got to watch the film of, of what, uh, what the saints did 
because they held Aaron Rodgers to 133 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions. And you know, you you have to you have to be able to put the pressure on him. And that defense for the Packers is not that good. You should be able to move the ball. It's it's you have I mean, you just essentially have to capitalize uh once once you do uh you know, move the ball. Right, right. Um, Boy, it would just feel so big if they were able to pull off a win next week. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, the tide is shifting. The tide is shifting. The, the Lions are several years away. <clears throat> you know, they, I don't know if the staff is the one that's going to do it. I can't, this is too early to say. Um, the, uh, I don't think this quarterback is the one. And you're really short on talent. They're a couple of years away. The Vikings are going backwards. I think they're probably going to fire Zimmer by the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you can't help but wonder if it's mid season and they're well below 500. Did they make a move in November? I mean, that's, that's yet to be seen. They could win a few games and not, but yeah, if they don't go to the playoffs this year, I think Zimmer's gone. Um, so, you know, there's a possibility Zimmer's gone your quarterback's not getting any better and he wants guaranteed money, big time, $40 million guaranteed money. You, you can't commit to that. You know, you're going to have to move on and have a quarterback change. Aaron Rodgers this is the last year with green Bay. Uh, so the winds are changing in this division. It's can you, can you make it happen sooner than, than later? Can you, uh, you know, take advantage of Green Bay this year while they do have some vulnerabilities. Yeah. And, you know, I don't really see, I mean, you never truly know. I don't see the Bears overtaking Green Bay this year, but I think if they're going to be a competitive team, then you have to beat Green Bay at least once to stay in the mix. I mean, you need every win you could get because there's a lot of teams you're going to be competing for. Whether you're competing for the division or a wild card, there's going to be plenty of teams you're going to be competing with. So just to keep pace, you got to win the big games. You can't just rely on beating the scrub teams and letting that carry you. You know, you're going to have to make some big statement wins. I thought today was a statement win. That was a big game. Vegas was favored and rightfully so. And they went in there and they were able to win. So, you you know, you got a tough schedule. You really do. And you're going to have to be like, well, you can't just be, well, if we beat, you know, the Vikings and we beat the Lions again and we beat the Giants, it's like, yeah, you got to beat those teams. But but if you really want to take a big step this year, I'm not just talking about the development of Justin Fields. I'm talking about as a team. If you want to have any shot at the playoffs this year, you're going to need to win some of these big games. I mean, there's just, there's no way around it. You don't have enough bad teams on your schedule to carry you essentially to a wild card spot like last year you're going to have to get more big statement wins you're going to have to beat green bay at least once you're going to have to beat the vikings and you know teams like the ravens or the cardinals or the 49ers you're gonna have to beat a few of those teams too if you if you want to be in that mix yeah i mean you know if you take the they're at three and two right now if you take the teams that aren't very good um so the lions you got one more against them so that's four Prop, I mean, 
assuming you take care of the bad teams. That takes you to four. The Vikings twice. That takes you to six. The Giants, that takes you to seven. It takes you to seven wins. You got to be able to beat the, the okay teams. And the okay teams would be the 49ers, the Steelers, um, and the Ravens. So if you can beat those okay teams, that puts you at 10 wins. It's a good spot. And then, then anything else with the good teams is gravy. So Packers twice, um, uh, the Buccaneers, Cardinals, the Cardinals Seahawks, uh, Seahawks. Well, the Seahawks will put them as the okay team. Whatever. Yeah, I was going to say I yeah. would switch Ravens and Seahawks between good and okay. And that's yeah, that's fine. Um, and you know, so if, if beating any of those good teams is, but you know, I, I it all starts. It all starts Sunday. What do you do against the Packers? And you know, there's no shame in making it a close game and losing at the end of the game. It it's, doesn't make you feel any better, but you have to be able to take moral victories if if you're able to hang with the Packers until the very end. You know, if Aaron Rodgers does one of those things where he drives 70 yards in, in 30 seconds to kick a field goal, like th- that's an Aaron Rodgers. Um, but, you know, you, you can't get blown out. That's what can't happen. No, you cannot repeat last year. Those both, either of those games, you cannot repeat that. You can, you cannot have a, a Browns game where even if the defense is playing pretty good and the offense is just abysmal, you can't have those games. Oh God. No, no. If you, and you if, can't if your offense is like the Browns, you have zero chance of winning. Um, you know, so that's, that's imperative. And, and, you know, and I'm not saying the bears are going to win all those games and go to 10 wins. Uh, That's, that is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying is, is uh, this Packers game is really going to set the tone for the rest of the season is right now. uh, You know, we talked about the first quarter of the season, which is the, the Rams, the Bengals, the Browns and the lions that they're probably two and two. And then the next quarter of the season was, you know, Raiders, Packers, Buccaneers, and 49ers. And that was, and you're starting off that quarter of the season, one and oh. And that's, that's a good place. We didn't think they would beat the Raiders in, in Oakland. I mean, in Vegas. Sorry. I still want to call them Oakland too. I mean, I remember, they pl- I mean, I remember when they played in Los Angeles. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, it's like this is the first time in the season where we're saying, wow, we're actually a little better than I thought, because through the first four weeks when they were two and two, I mean, it felt right. They won the games that they should have won and the games they lost, they clearly were not good enough to win. It wasn't one of those uh, seasons where you're like, man, they're two and two, but they should be three and one or whatever. This was like, you know, they won the games they were supposed to win in terms of the types of games they played, you know, the game against the the Bengals, it got close, but you know, you were leading most of the game and you know, you were in position to win and you did win. And then you beat the lions. So you won those two games. And then the two losses, 
you weren't close to winning in week one and you weren't close to winning at all in week three. So, you know, I just they were in perspective, two things. Number one is if your offense could have even looked like today, um, <clears throat> you, you had a potential to beat the Browns because you were, you were holding strong on defense and it was just your offense was so abysmally bad. And this, and this is a team. So the bears, the, uh, the chargers today scored as many points on the Browns defense as the bears had passing yards against them. Yeah. That's man. Justin Herbert's good. He's very good. I think Justin Fields is better. Um, just got to be able to, to keep him upright. That poor kid is going to get beat to death if you, if you don't keep him upright. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, there. There were some times where he was clearly looking woozy and just uncomfortable because of all the hits he was taking. Oh, and the on the sideline where he was, they brought him a garbage can in case he had to throw up. Yeah, it's like that's never a good thing. No. No, but the only time you want to see throw up is Sean Hotman on his stilts <laughs> on the, the lawn of Virginia McCaskey. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I want to reiterate is I, I don't think the bears are going to beat the Packers and I don't think they're going to beat a lot of these teams, but I'm just saying is based on, based on, you know what they've done so far. If they're the same team that played against the lions and the, the Bengals and um, the Raiders today, um, you know, and two weeks ago, if we would have, we were thinking the Raiders were going to blow the bears out in this game. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause they were undefeated. And their offense was chugging along and they stifled that that Raiders offense. Yeah, um, they did. They did. And, and you know, it, it sometimes it kind of goes to show what a week by week difference can make. It is. It's a, it's a league that's based on matchups and it's a week by week league. And you know, anything can happen. You know, the bears could beat the Packers, just not very likely, you know, right. We, we said the same thing about the Buccaneers last year. Oh, the bears won't beat the Buccaneers. And they did. Um, and uh, you know, the 49ers are a beatable team They're, You know, they've got a, they've got a similar situation with a rookie quarterback. Um, and they don't have their identity. The Steelers have been a hit and miss team and big Ben has, hasn't looked good. Um, well, I think if, if you look at an ideal matchup, having a guy like big Ben, who is, literally less mobile than a statue versus this pass rush. Nah, that could, that, that's a good matchup for the bears. Oh my God. I would love to watch him just get annihilated. Stupid Ben Roethlisberger. Just got Khalil Mack continuing to eat him. Um, man, but he ate up, he ate the Broncos defense for lunch today. Yeah, yeah, he did. It's kind of funny. Every time you think the Steelers are just going to nosedive, they pull out a game like that. It's like, well, I mean, heck, go back to opening week. Everyone thought the Bills were going to grind them into dust, and they ended up winning that game. I mean, they've got a running back now. 
Yeah. That's the thing. Um, they've got a, they've got a good wide receiver and they've got, they've got a good running back. And, you know, the thing is, is, is you got to make Ben Roethlisberger look bad. And, yeah. you know, the Packers, the Packers did it last week. Um, and they held their running back to 62 yards. That's, I, you know, they, that's a, it's a team that, that's not going to look good most weeks. Yeah. Um, you, you got, you got to, that's a team you got to beat. Yeah. Um, you know, they held their running back to 40 yards against the Bengals. Um, so you, you essentially got to stop their run and then Ben Roethlisberger is not going to beat you. They need that running game going to beat you. Right. Exactly. I, I wanted to go back to Justin Fields really quick. I wanted to say it before I forgot it, we were talking matchups and everything. Uh, I wanted to go to his very first passing touchdown in the NFL, which we finally got to see today, uh, which he threw to Jesper Horstead. By the way, uh, check your first career uh, touchdown throw to Jesper Horstead off your bingo cards. Um, it, it, who would have thought that would happen? I know, right? But Oh, I just, I loved it so much because that was a great example of just playing a mismatch right there. Jesper Horstead made that defender look so tiny. That, I mean, when you watch that play defensively, um, they had that bottled up. They did. The Raiders had, they had a, a, a back came in. I think it was the safety came down. So he, he was accounting for Justin Fields. So he couldn't run. Uh, I was thinking it was Williams was the running back. He swung out and they had somebody with him. And then Jesper Horstead was the, the receiver um, that went uh, rolled to that side and they had him covered well. And the throw was just an absolutely perfect throw. It was thrown high. So the defender is going to have to reach up to get it. And Horstead's catching it at face mask level. And Horstead is just a bigger, stronger man. And it's funny because is he was so stoic when he caught it, just boom, he caught it. And everyone else is like running around him. Like, and I'm like, what happened? And I'm like, did he, where's the ball? And I'm like, Oh no, he just caught it and was just stoic about it. Yeah. And, he just, he just had it right with him. He just had yeah. it right with him. And it was, well, and I was like, Oh, is this, was it contested because it just happened so quick. And, and when they showed the replays, oh, Nope, not even, not even a little bit. I mean, it was, like you said, it's not like he had, he had no separation whatsoever. The defendant was right on him. He just used his speed and, or not his speed, his size, and was able to just get it. It was awesome. I'm like, I mean, that's, that's the kind of shit you want to see. Not only do you want to see, obviously, good throws and good blocking, but you want to see mismatches being created. And if you're going to keep that many tight ends on your roster, then that is where you have to do it more than anywhere in the red zone. Remember how good Jimmy Graham was in the red zone last year? I mean, that's, I want to see more of that because if I believe I'm correct and maybe I'm not, but I'm pretty sure that's the first passing touchdown to a tight end all year. It is. So I want to see more of that. Create more of those mismatches. And I want to give a shout out to Jimmy Graham for that block. Mm -hmm. Uh, Khalil Herbert um, was driving and the, 
he had the defensive lineman on him trying to bring him down. And Jimmy Graham came in from behind Khalil Herbert. And I know exactly what you're talking about. And just drove. And the two of them driving together just took that defensive lineman and drove him backwards for like seven more yards. That was a thing of beauty. Jimmy Graham has never, never been, uh, never been known as a blocker and he has been blocking this year. I mean, he's been blocking way more than catching the ball. Not that he gets targeted very much, but you know, if you, if you're going to use Jimmy Graham, at least get some use out of him and goes to show how important blocking is, especially if you're going to try to beat more guys in the trenches. Yeah, it was, that was huge. Um, and I, I'm going to be excited. Well, we're going to see what happens is, is Jermaine a Fetty? Uh, is Jermaine a Fetty injured or is he going to play next week? That's a big question. Um, where are the, the bears rookie offensive tackles at in their injuries? Where's Borum is, is he ready to be coming back in? Um, where is Tevin Jenkins in his injury recovery? It is wearing so thin in that department. Um, you know, Jason Peters is, is playing okay, but that man is 400 years old. He can't hold that forever. And a Fetty's going to realize that he's Jermaine a at some point and be like, Oh yeah, I forgot. I suck. Um, Ouch. so, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to bring in some reinforcements here. Yeah, I mean, again, the, the position is so thin as it is, and if Jermaine Fetty is hurt, I mean, I know he wasn't playing well, but that's still another body out there that you might not have. We'll, we'll see what happens, because uh, he obviously didn't come back in the game today after he went out, and, you know, normally you're like, oh, well, he wasn't playing well, whatever, but it's like, well, then who else are you going to put in there? I mean, it is worn so thin at that position. Yeah, so um, I'm looking. Larry Borum is on the IR on uh, looks like the 17th. So where are the Bears at on their schedule there? Um, so one, two... I think he's eligible to come back for this game, which would be nice to have him there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, he's eligible. I don't know when he will. Um, and then let me see. Oh, he's eligible to return October 10th. So he was eligible today. Um, So what's the latest on him? This is always fun. The parts where you're looking things up on a, on a radio show. <laughs> well, while you're, while you're, uh, while you're doing that, why don't I entertain you with some guitar playing? Just kidding. <laughs> I used to play uh, guitar uh, in high school and I haven't touched it in so long. I really do want to get back to it though. I have never played guitar. Um, 
I always wanted to be like an 80s rock star and like play some of those really awesome like guitar riffs you hear from all sorts of different 80s bands. And then you play that really high pitched guitar solo that I, I always dreamed of that being a kid, being on stage with a Fender Stratocaster. But you know what? That dream might not be dead. I could pick up guitar lessons again. I just have to relearn a lot of stuff. Go for it. No time like the present. It's true. And I mean, there's so many resources online to help people learn now. I mean, I remember when I was a senior in high school, I had guitar class first thing in the morning, which was an awesome class, by the way. And then I would take my guitar and go home and I would look at some of my favorite like songs. And do do you know what guitar tabs are? Yes. So I would go online and I would look up because there's like guitartabs.com, you look up your favorite song and you you print out the tabs and you just, you know, riff by riff, you kind of learn it a little bit. And I, I was never a good guitar player, but I could at least get some stuff down after a while. Um, but I, I just I just haven't touched it in so long. And I, I really do want to get back to it. Just saying. Um, no update on... Tevin Jenkins. Um, I didn't think there would be. And I don't see any update on Larry Borum either, but he is eligible to return. We'll see. (laughs) Just while I'm looking, it says somebody should just give Ryan Pace a bunch of fifth round picks. Adrian Amos, Jordan Howard, um, Bilal Nichols, Travis Gibson, Kendall Vildor, Darnell Mooney, Larry Borum. At first I thought you were going to say someone should just let Ryan Pace go out there and play line. <laughs> That's where I thought you were going with that. Um, but- I'm going to go out there and protect my quarterback. <laughs> he puts on one of like those really old time helmets where like there's just one bar across the face and like, it's like more of like a rounded oval shape than like your typical football he, helmet. He today. puts on a leather helmet, <laughs> no face mask. Guys, I'm ready to go out here and play some old school football. <laughs> he gets bowled over. He like wiggles his way back up. Is that the best you can do? Uh, but uh, I want to talk bulls a little bit. Bulls. It- is there there's only four preseason games and they just they literally two seconds ago just won their third um so they're three and oh and uh it's funny the chicago was trying to go for the 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 four the four team sweep today the Bears started off with a win the uh the uh wnba team won the sky I want to talk about them after we talk about the Bulls really quick. Um, they, they, they won. Um, then the uh, the Bulls won. And it's not looking so hot for the White Sox right now. It's early. Uh, they're down five to one. I know, but it's early. Um, but the Bulls have looked fantastic. I've watched every preseason game so far, at least a, a good portion of it. And it has been so much fun to watch like this team is legitimately good like legitimately um lonzo ball has brought some good defense 
It's and he's, he's got shooting a high, really well. High basketball IQ. The Bulls assist to turnover ratio is incredible. Um, the you know the them on a fast break is just ridiculous. And now you see you're seeing number one a better Zach Levine that that Olympic experience really did help him. Um, but now that he is not the primary, it doesn't have to be the primary scoring option is you're seeing a better Zach Levine. And we saw a pretty damn good one last year. And imagine what you can see this year. If everything is a bit more spread out, you know, and, and we're seeing the, the fast break looks good. Um, the, the pick and roll is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You see a real point guard in there. This team looks awesome. Alex Caruso has been, is playing huge for, for the bulls. If he plays in the regular season, the way he's done in the preseason, it is really going to look like one of the best pickups that we've seen. Like, like I'm not talking like major move, but like, you know, every team has to make those moves that are like, all right, those are solid depth, hole filling moves. If Alex Caruso keeps doing this, then that's going to look like a really damn good one. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing a lot of good moves here. This bulls team looks just awesome. I mean, it is. And, and here's the thing. I know we're going to hit a wall somewhere or there's going to be some injuries. We're going to run into, uh, you know, a a really good team where we can't just blow them out of the water. Um, But this team, this team is going to be fun to watch even in those, those, uh, you know, games where they're, they're not so hot. And, you know, keep in mind, we don't have Patrick Williams right now. Yeah, we do not. Patrick Williams is still out. And I think they're hoping for him to be back um, for the opening game. If that, wow. I mean, because even it didn't sound like he was going to miss much if he was going to miss any of the regular season. But if you can have him for opening night and he's fully healthy, that would be even better. Yeah, we don't have Kobe White either. No, we don't. And I know um, he still he still has somewhat of a ways to come back, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Um, What's but, nice is that your confidence in the other players on this team, both starting and the bench to fill the roles they're supposed to fill in. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's virtually outside Zach Levine, a different roster than opening day last year, like completely different. I think Kobe white and Patrick Williams, are like the only other two guys along with Zach Levine that was on that roster. That's still on it. Now, everything else is different. Yeah. This, this team, it's, I mean, you're starting to see the the vision that AK and Mark Eversley had for what they could be. Um, like you, you, you're you're watching the vision happen, and, and I get, uh, I get that, um, I get that, uh, you know, things are going to happen along the way. And this is preseason, but um, you you're watching you're watching them. I mean, at one point they were up by fifty points on Cleveland, fifty points. 
you see a team that can function in ways you've wanted to see them function in years. You're seeing a team that's actually building an identity and you're seeing a team that seems to mesh really well together as players. I mean, it's one of the biggest challenges for AK when he came in was to entirely rebuild a culture, a culture that was seeing no success. It wasn't a good culture. It wasn't a winning culture. It wasn't a established culture. It, Culture could go a long way, especially in this day and age. And I feel like they've built that. I feel like these players are genuinely excited to be part of this. It may seem cheesy, but I think that goes a long way in this day and age. In an age where so much of what they do is accessible. I mean, in the old days... Crap that happened behind closed doors. That was behind closed doors. Now in the social media age with all this, you know, digital information, uh, more cameras in the building than ever, uh, you know, stuff leaks out more. And when stuff leaks out and the culture isn't good, then things only get worse. So to build a good culture, you got to have the right guys. You got to have the right dynamic. And I think, you know, I think we're finally seeing that. And when they brought in Billy Donovan last year, Billy Donovan said he joined the Bulls. The main reason was is because of the vision of Arturis Karnishevis. This vision was there since day one. He just couldn't make everything happen on day one. So the fact that he was able to make this many changes within a year and do a complete 180 of how people feel and see this team, that, 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 goes, that goes a long way too. And if you have a successful year, the culture's good, you're winning games, you're only going to look more attractive to free agents down the road. And that is one of the biggest goals that we have heard Arturis Karnishevis talk about. Absolutely. You know, and you're seeing that DeMar DeRozan is praising this team. Um, Once they sign Zach Levine to this, you know, super max deal. um, So then you're like, Hey, this team superstars want to stay there. Uh, You know, Vucevic, it looks good, but Ball, Ball was a huge signing, and you know I, there was people out there that didn't agree with the Bulls bringing in or targeting Lonzo Ball, and 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 I, I sure they haven't hit the regular season yet, but the guy looks like a different player. It's like he went to the next level so far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I just love it. Um, you know, you're, you're watching, you're watching this team just look so good and not turning the ball over. And that was their Achilles heel last year is, oh yeah. I mean, they, they just didn't have the horses, but turnovers just killed them. And, and Kobe white was a, a big, a big problem with that. But, uh, you know, now that he's he's going to Kobe White led the team in minutes last year um so and he was a turnover machine you're cutting those minutes down because clearly he's not going to lead this team in minutes no 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 he's no, no, going no. to be he's going to have only a he's going to be a role player he's going to be a role player and you're going to put him in a you know a position that he's not going to have to push the pace or anything so um you look for him to to you know uh 
play play more in in the system that he's supposed to be playing in. Right. Yeah, I mean it's exciting. I just I want the regular season to start. I'm ready for it. I do too. I, I'm really uh I'm I'm ready. Um and I I'm just I'm excited. Um I think I think the anticipation is this team makes the playoffs. Well, that's you're at the point now that's gotta be the goal. It has to be the goal, but it has to be the reality too. Not yeah, of course, of course. Not like a oh, every year. I mean, your goal should be to make the playoffs and then go from there. But I mean, this team, like the reality, should be making the playoffs. Playoffs are bust. Yes, if you don't make the playoffs, then uh, that's that's something somewhere the train went off the tracks. Yeah, and I mean. You'd have to evaluate that at the end of the year because you never know. All your guys could get fluky injuries, but um, the way we see it right now, it is playoffs or bust. We, we know that. Absolutely. Um, but you wanted to talk about the Sky. Yeah, so the Chicago Sky, they just won game one of the WNBA Finals, and one of my best friends is a Sky season ticket holder. Him and his mom have season tickets right on the court, so they're courtside. And, you know, they've been diehard Sky fans for a very long time. So um, my buddy, Eric, shout out to him. He also writes for Swish Appeal. He writes WNBA for Swish Appeal. Uh, you know, so he's loving every second of this. But you really got to admire what the Sky are doing because they were like the last seed of the playoff teams. They were a sub 500 team and they pulled off multiple upsets to get to the NBA finals, the WNBA finals. And They're two wins away now from winning the whole thing as the last seed. They beat the number one seed in the conference finals and they beat them pretty good. Yeah. They beat them by 14 on the road. Yeah. So it's impressive. I mean, they've, they've now, now since they won game one on the road, they've taken home field advantage or home court advantage. Um, you, You have to like their chances here. Yeah, you do. And it would be really great if they could win it at home at Wintrust Arena. You know, I know my buddy would love nothing more than to be there, uh, seeing them celebrate a championship, a very unlikely championship. They went to this new playoff format back in 2016. And I believe they said it was the first time a one seed in that since that time has been eliminated before the finals. So that's that's something. Yeah. And, you know, Candace, Candace Parker is huge, but, um, you know, you've got a, you've got a really good team here. Uh, you know, um, Courtney Vandersloot is, is good. She's um, been a staple with that team for many years now. Yeah. Copper copper's great. Um, you know, you've, you've got a really good team here and they, they really took it to, uh, to Phoenix today. They did. And you know what? It, it goes to show you that when you get hot at the right time, this is what can happen. I mean, they are just, they're firing on all cylinders. Everything is working. It's like a symphony, the way they're doing this. I mean, we were just, originally people would just be thankful if they won one of the playoff series because the first two playoff rounds are one game. So it's one and done. 
and then you go to uh, the semifinals and then the finals. So even to get to the semifinals was a big deal. Now they're playing for the championship. And in every game, they've only lost one game so far in these playoffs. And, you know, every game that they've won, you know, they've, they've been able to close out very easily. They've had a big lead in a lot of these games. And I mean, it's just, it's great seeing them function so well. And I think Candace Parker bringing a championship home to Chicago would be a really cool thing. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny to see, you know, on one side, you've got almost 40 year old Diana Taurasi uh, still out there playing and Candace mm-hmm. Parker for the sky. And she's what? 35, 36. Yeah. Mid thirties, somewhere around there. Um, so it's nice to see the, the, the old people playing well. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So I, I'm excited and, uh, you know, hopefully the, the sky bring a, a championship to Chicago. Um, you know, it'd be nice to, to take my daughter down to that, that rally, um, and see, see women's sports win a championship. Yeah. And, you know, I, I really, really enjoy how much the city has been backing them too. You know, that's the thing is I feel bad um, is they had like what, two weeks ago, they had like a, their media day mm-hmm. and only one media outlet showed up. Yeah. Um, you know, it takes it takes being in the finals to for anybody to start taking notice. Um, but it is too bad. You know, but you know what? Hopefully, this is a lesson to people to be like, "Hey, let's let's pay attention to these guys more." These gals, these gals, they're yeah, these gals. Um, you know, even the Wrigley Marquis said, "Good luck to the sky in the finals." I thought That's that awesome. was really cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's not they can't be rooting for the Cubs on it, so no, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, last time we talked, the the white, the postseason hadn't started for the White Sox yet, and uh, the best of five series, and um, White Sox are down 0-2, and they're down as we speak five to three in the do or die game at uh, guaranteed right bank Comiskey Park, um, and uh, you know the the Astros, the Astros just look good. I, I don't want to take anything away from the, the White Sox, but man, they, the Astros are looking good. They're going to be a tough team to beat. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard for me to, to recap everything because the series obviously isn't over as we're speaking. Obviously, you know, whether they win or lose, we'll see what happens by the end of next week when we do our next show. But I mean, you know, the Astros, they've had this ability to put the ball in play when they needed to and, you know, not necessarily swing for the fences. And they just place the ball in the right spot. And, you know, it's that's that's what wins you games. And and that's the thing is they're they're not they're not winning by cheap offense. Um, I mean, they they lit up Giolito for four. They lit up in, in four and four and a third innings. Uh, Aaron Bummer, three runs in a third inning. Kimbrell, two thirds of an inning with two runs. Yeah, um, the Kimbrell. Yeah, that was ugly. Uh, and then 
Kimbrell has not looked good for the White Sox. And then they they lit up Lance Lynn for five. Um, yeah, just, I mean, they, the starting pitching in the first three games, really disappointing. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're, you know, you had a Jose Altuve with a double, Al, in the game one, Altu, or, uh, Alvarez with a home run and a double. Um, you know, they're, they're not winning by cheapies. They're, they're scoring runs. They are. I mean, you know, this, this game three is looking like a slug fest. So, um, you know, we'll see what, who comes out on top of that. But I mean, obviously if you're the white Sox, if you want to stay alive here, you know, you want to you need to get some solid pitching. You need to kind of shut the opposition down because the Astros have responded every time. It's re- they're relentless. So the White Sox, uh, Lurie Garcia homered, um, scoring Gavin Sheets and Yohan Moncada, and the White Sox are up six to five. So see, I told you a long way to go. It ain't uh, over yet. I mean, the 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 bats are out tonight. Yes, they are, and I kind of had a feeling that would happen. Um, so yeah, today with uh, Yasmani Grandal and Larry Garcia with homers. Yeah, I mean, you know, this series ain't over until it's over. Uh, so you know, the Astros really looked good in the first two games. If the White Sox pull it out tonight and force a game four, then you just got to take it one game at a time. But uh, you know, going forward, if the White Sox are going to continue to have a chance here. You know they need to get some scoreless innings from some of their pitchers. I mean, they really, they really need to get. Uh, you know, when the Astros attack, they need to shut them down. I know it's easier said than done, but you know, it. Uh, you you gotta you gotta be sure that once you you tie a game or take the lead, you don't give it right back because that's what happened in Game Two. And it's gonna be real tough now because they Dylan Cease didn't even last two innings as a starter. Um, so. You know, you went you went to Copac early, mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's you're making it tough on your batters because they're going to have to score a shit ton of runs. Yeah, but you know, as I'm telling my White Sox friends, is listen, this is a uh, the Astros have home field advantage. This is not, you know, the series. You know, you have to you lost the first two games on the road. And so what you do is you got to go, you win your games at home. And suddenly if you win, you take care of business at home, then you go back or then you wind up with a, uh, if they do, is it two, 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 one, or is it two? It's two, it's uh two, 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 one. two one. So game okay. five would be in Houston. Yeah. Uh, so you take care of your two at home. You wind up with a one game series and a one game series. Anything can happen. Right. So it's all you got to do is just take care of business at home. Like you've done all season and you're winning right now. Just, just follow through. And then that's, that's all you can ask for is and you, win and your home under, games. And we understand that you're going to be listening to this after game three. So we don't know what the heck is going to happen by then. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. They, 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 you know, the white Sox, uh, Kimbrough could have himself a night afterwards. He could come in work middle relief. Who knows? So when you listen to this, the game probably will be over. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm making a great assumption that when you listen to this, it is. Nah, well this over. game's going to last a Tuesday, ten trillion minutes. <laughs> uh, so you know, um, 
you know, my, my, my bummer of a thing is that you brought in Tony La Russa with all of his baggage and all of his problems and his 200 year old racist ass. And this is why you brought him in. He has got to do some magic with that bullpen. He has to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And, you know, I, I, I kind of questioned him bringing in Garrett Crochet for a second day in a row in game two when he he didn't give up runs, but he gave up three hits the day before. And I think the the Astros were seeing him fairly well. Uh, they didn't go to Kopech. People were wondering, are they going to piggyback Rodon and Kopech? Is that what they're trying to do? But you had to bring in Kopech today. Uh, and then, you know, you brought in Craig Kimbrell in a dirty inning. You know, that was kind of made you scratch your head a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, if they're going to get back in the series, then, you know, they, they got to make the right bullpen decisions here going forward. I mean, there's, you know, it's it's do or die until, you know, it's, it's do or die for you for the rest of the series. So, uh, you're going to need your bullpen, not only for Tony La Russa to manage you, right, but you need the bullpen to get outs. Yep, absolutely. Um, and, you know, lastly, I, I don't want to talk too much because I haven't watched a ton of hockey yet because Bears have been on and I've, Bulls have been exciting and I'm like, oh, I can't turn this off. But hockey, hockey is back. We're still in the preseason. But Jonathan Taves is on the ice and he's looking pretty good. Yep. And we're going to get started. The first three games of the Hawks are kind of brutal because you got to start in Colorado late night. Then over the weekend, you got to fly to uh, New Jersey and then you got to go the next day to Pittsburgh. Yep. Not easy. Yep. And yeah, the, the season opener is, is this week? Is it Wednesday? Yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. So Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, you you start, um, and you know, we, uh, you know, I, we've seen some good, we've seen some bad. The, the penalty kill has been terrible. Um, so far it's been pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, not, not much of a surprise, unfortunately, but, um, you know, that's, that's something that's gotta be fixed. Like he can't, uh, you can't, you can't have, you can't be giving up that many goals on, on the power play and expect to do anything in, um, in the regular season. But, uh, you know, they've been, they've been okay to watch. Um, and it'll be nice to see what the final breakdown of the roster is, especially now they just brought in, they just brought in another player today, an old familiar face. Eric Gustafson. Eric Gustafson. Surprise. <laughs> Woo. Uh, you know, which is, uh, I don't know. It's weird. Um, Cause he was they, let go with the Islanders. I think he was with. Uh, yeah. He was with the Islanders. He had a, yeah. a professional tryout and, and it, he actually looked fairly decent with them. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, he played last year with, I think the Flyers in Montreal. I honestly don't remember where he was last year. I think that's where he was. Um, but he spent his first four seasons with the Blackhawks. And, uh, you know, now that you have Caleb Jones is injured. Um, you know, yeah, you need some, someone. You need somebody. So we'll, we'll see how that turns out, but I'm, I'm not 
overly impressed <laughs> with, but uh, you know, the, the, the Blackhawks should be fun to watch. Yeah, hopefully. I don't think their defense is going to be good, but at least we have a Vizina winning trophy. Uh, words Vizina trophy winning goaltender between the pipes. Yeah. And you had the guy that was your best goaltender as your backup. So it's you've, which is probably where he should be for now. Right. Right. Um, but, um, you know, they had, they wrapped up their, their preseason with a convincing win over the wild, which was nice. Um, uh, you know, Mark Andre Fleury looked pretty good. And in that game, the defense was in front of him was not very good. I, I think they had like 18 shots in the first period or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were peppering him pretty good. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think, I think offensively again, they're going to be fine defensive defensively. It's going to be a struggle, but at least they have a better goaltender. Yeah. They've got to figure out the special teams. You know, yeah, you, no kidding. You've got to, you've got to at least be middle of the road in in penalty kills and and power play. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I don't really know what else to expect from the Blackhawks. Um, um, I think Taves had two goals against the Wild. I'm not sure. I didn't see. Uh, the last game where they were at home. Uh, yeah, the the yes, it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. I I only saw the box score. I didn't see the details. Yeah, I, I was the game. I was in and out. Um, so I saw bits and pieces of it. Uh, but um, you know, I, I'm just excited to see what they're gonna do in a regular season. Um, you know, finally wrap this up. For sure. And strikeout by Kopech. Man, I think the White Sox might get out of this inning with no runs. Are there men on base? I'm not watching. Um, the new the new ticker doesn't show you. Oh, <laughs> that's what doesn't that's show annoying. you. I know that is annoying. Oh wait, they do. Sorry, it just looks weird. Ah, there's nobody on base. Gotcha. And there's two outs. Gotcha. And he Kopech just rang up 101 miles an hour on a strike. Yeah. It ain't over till it's over, man. Yeah. So as we're wrapping this up, let's go White Sox from two Cub fans. Want to see the White Sox take out the Astros. And I hope White Sox fans in the in the home stadium today are banging on garbage cans and really taking <laughs> it to taking it to the Astros. Um, and you know, hopefully when you listen to this, we are, we are still talking about life being in the white Sox because they won this game. Right on. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I think I've said my piece. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. I want to thank everybody so much for listening. Please hit subscribe however you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn, Google Play, Spotify, etc. Share this podcast with your friends. That's how we grow the show. Uh, follow us on social media at Swirsky Sports. 
facebook.com slash Swirsky Sports, SwirskySports.com, alexpatsportschat.blogspot.com, and alexpatsportschat on Facebook. And again, thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, bear down. Cubs win! What a lucky break! The good Lord wants the Cubs to win! We thank Ditka and God for all they have provided. Cubs win! Cubs win! Cubs win! Oh, I don't want her. You can have her. She's a Packer fan. She can't fit in my van. And she looks like... Remember, New Yorkers, smoking crack is not legal on the plains. Bears, 31 to negative 7. The Bears! Oh, when the Bears go bearing down...